Well, uh, happy 4th of July early, right? Um, how many of you have actually made plans on what? You're going to eat on Thursday. Anybody already made plans on that? Anybody? Be honest. Is that it? Okay, everybody's going to be a bunch, bunch of liars here in, in church. Uh, we're going to have... Um, we're going to have hamburgers, and we don't do hot dogs anymore. Y'all do hot dogs? Anybody do hot dogs? Are y'all health nuts? You don't do hot dogs? We, do, we used to do hot dogs. Now we do bratwurst. Y'all know what I'm talking about, bratwurst? Have y'all had these things? Come to my house on Thursday. Bratwurst is like the greatest, worst meat in the world for you, but it's, it's, so, um, it's so good. I'll get an amen from my son. He's like, what are we having for, for uh, 4th of July? I said, bratwurst. Like, oh, yes. Because, see, when you're 14 years old and you're a, a guy, there's um, one thing that you love more than anything. It's not what you think. It's, it's good food. All right? And so at our house, it doesn't matter where we're going. It's going to happen here in about uh, 35 minutes. He's going to say, Dad, what are we doing for lunch? And as I want to tell all of y'all, if you didn't realize and forgot, we're having lunch across the street today. And so uh, it's going to be barbecue and... Um, other stuff. So barbecue and other stuff. So uh, if you've got your Bibles, I I appreciate you just go ahead and grab those. Proverbs chapter 3 is where we're going to be. And uh, I wear glasses now, so hold on. Maddie, how are you? All right, so Maddie, we're just going to be three points out of five, okay? So you'll be fine. It just You'll just stop early, okay? Um, I had to take my glasses off because up close, I, I can't read the scriptures if I don't have my glasses. But like far away, I can see really good. Does anybody have this problem here in the, in the church? Anybody? Would you please? Can y'all even see me up here? You know what I'm talking about? Um, and, and people laugh and go, oh, yeah, you're getting old. And I just laugh right back and say, listen, 20 years ago, you know what? I was doing way more than what you're doing right now. But 20 years later at 40, uh, 45, um, a little bit harder, right? Proverbs chapter 3. Uh, I, I just want to tell everybody in the church, I'm, I'm thankful to be able to preach for Pastor Scott. I'm thankful for a pastor that sees uh, the need in serving in the nursery and, and you know preparing 15 or 20 hours a week for his sermon or going back and spending an hour and 15 minutes. Or, or you notice how he kind of cut it a little bit short because he had to do the front of the service. But uh, spending that time in the nursery... I'm telling you what, as someone who served in the nursery, that's harder than this. All right? That is harder than this. Can I get an amen from anybody in the house? So I uh, appreciate Pastor Scott setting the, And the, you re, realize why he's doing it. He's not trying to get out of preaching. He's trying to set example for the rest of the church. So the rest of you that still aren't serving in the nursery, you should feel really guilty right now. Okay? Just really. That's kind of the... Nobody's going to say it, but the youth pastor will say it. Okay? That's kind of why we're doing this this whole deal. So go serve in the nursery. It'll bless you and you'll be so thankful you don't have little ones. It'll bless you for like an hour and 15 minutes. You're just like, Lord, thank you. I don't have to take these kids home. So anyway, that's all free. That has nothing part of the message. I just want to celebrate that. Uh, secondly, uh, let me just share publicly. Um, uh, so a lot of people asked me and texted me and uh, my wife had a little surgery this week on Friday. And here's what I've learned between men and women. See, if you, if you stick my finger, that's a major deal. I don't like needles. Okay, I don't, I don't like needles. But if you, if you like have a baby as a woman, cut yourself open, all this stuff, that's just kind of a little surgery. So in my wife's mind, uh, she just had a little, little surgery this week. She's fine. 
Uh, the reason why nobody knew about it is because she didn't want anybody showing up at the hospital. I don't know how many people are here. Uh, you can relate to my wife. I'm like, I want everybody praying for me. I want everybody like, you know, sending me flowers or food, just bring food, whatever you want to do. But, but know that I'm getting ready to, to go in because I might not come back out of this thing. You know what I'm talking about? My wife's like, if you let anybody come to the hospital, I'll be cutting you open. She even said, don't, don't you think about letting Pastor Kenny or Pastor Scott show up because they won't let me put on makeup before my surgery. I mean, women, is this true? I mean, do y'all understand this? I didn't understand this. Do y'all understand this? So, so after surgery, I put on Facebook that she was doing well and everybody's like, why didn't you tell us? I'm like, do you live with a woman? What, whatever she says, we're going to do. Everybody with me on that? So she's doing fine. Um, she just got to lay low for the next four weeks and, and that kind of thing. So, so I'll be doing dishes. Will's going to be doing dishes. It's going to be great. And aren't you excited, son? I can just tell back there you're really excited about that. I am. I'm really excited. Uh, and my mother-in-law gets to spend a whole lot more time at my house. So I'm super excited about that. Um, I'm just kidding, man. She's great. I'm just kidding. Let's get to the Bible. Come on, stick with the scripture. Proverbs chapter 3, uh, 1 through 10. And we're only going to get through 1 through 6 today, so don't freak out if we're we're kind of running there. You're like, ah, oh, it's not going to get to the end. And we've got Boston butt over here. So uh, it's going to be good. Uh, let me just give you a little background on the book of Proverbs. Most of us probably know this, but it's a, uh, it's a, a book of wisdom. And specifically, Proverbs chapter 3 is a father who's given wisdom to his child. All right. So children, if you're in the room today, let's just say you're under 20. Your parents have wisdom that they can give you. All right. Whether you, whether you want to accept it or not, they have wisdom that they're trying to, to give you. And so this is a book... Um, of a father trying, or a chapter of a father trying to give godly wisdom to his sons. Let me just say this to any father or grandfather in the house. We have, we have got to pass on God's wisdom to our children and to our grandchildren. We have to do it because the world is trying to pass on wisdom to our kids and, and parents. That's our job. Okay. It is, by the way, can I just tell you this? It's not the church's job to pass on wisdom. It's not my job as a youth pastor to pass on wisdom. Dads, you gotta, you gotta man up. Open up the scriptures every day, learn from it, and teach it to your kids. And that's a, that's an everyday thing, okay? So if you're waiting on me or Kenny or Pastor Scott, Tommy, Matt, somebody to, to teach your kids, you're not doing what Proverbs 3 says. We've got to impart wisdom to our kids. It's not our job to be our kids' friend. Now, this is a little bit controversial here, but it's fine. I've been doing this for 20 years, and I've just learned that some parents are going to be helicopter parents. You know what I'm talking about? They're just like watching their kids all the time, making sure they get hit by the ball at baseball. I'm like, oh my gosh. He's like, I'm like, let him go to first base. It's fine. The, the ball was coming at like 10 miles an hour. It's fine. No, no, no. I got to take him to the emergency room. Now, if you're one of those parents, you know, you know who you are. All right. Eventually, listen, eventually he's got to grow up and get hit by a baseball. All right. Just, we, we play baseball. So that's it. It's just one of those, one of those deals. It's not our job to be a helicopter parent. It's not our job to be our, our kids as friends. It's our job as parents to impart God's word to them. And so we're going to kind of get it. This is what the writer of Proverbs does. Um, quick illustration. My stepdad or my, my dad died when I was six and my stepdad didn't pass on a whole lot of wisdom to me as I grew up. But God saw fit for <clears throat> to put three men in my life that actually kind of served as a father figure. Some of you can relate to that. You have some in your life that's, that's like a father figure to you. And I've got three guys that God has used to pass on godly wisdom to me. Uh, over the past 22 years, uh, there's one minister in particular who has taught me how to minister to people's needs. 
by never compromising God's word. That's what I've always learned from this minister. While at the same time, really caring for people's needs. Like really caring. Like when you go to the hospital, you don't just go to the hospital to see them and pray and see how quickly you can get out. That's, that's really, that's a tough thing for me because how long do they want me to stay? Do I really need to ask about the surgery? What kind of surgery was it? Are they going to tell me too much? A lot of times people will tell you way more than you want to know at the hospital. It's like, I just need to know that you just had the surgery and then, then they'll just keep on going. You know what I'm talking about? So, but this, this particular minister has taught me how you, you care for all people, no matter their situation, especially those that are down and uh, in a bad spot. And the last 22 years, uh, rich or poor, doesn't matter, all kind of races, um, I've learned ministerial wisdom from Pastor Kenny. Because many of you know this, many of you don't. Uh, we used to work together at my very first church when I was much younger than I am now. And he was much younger than he is now. So just just say that. Number two, I've got a, another friend, another ministry. He's, last 16 years, he's taught me how to be a, a godly father and a godly husband. So, so here's the deal. We work together as ministers but because the youth pastor is usually younger than everybody else, except here I'm older than Pastor Scott, so it's just a different situation. But anyway, this minister uh, kind of taught me how to treat my wife and how to treat my kids. And, and uh, about five years ago, he, he was mentoring me. And about five years ago, he, he started imparting some wisdom to me because his wife started forgetting things. And she had to, she had to quit her job. She worked at a college in admissions, and she was kind of forgetting some things. And so she had to step down. He was a little bit concerned, and then as the year or two went on, they had to go see a doctor and, and come to find out they think she has, they thought at the time she had dementia. So it was about five or four years ago. And two weeks ago, he had to, to take his wife from home and put her into an assisted living facility for patients with dementia because she couldn't, she couldn't walk without falling down. She doesn't remember her, her name, and she's 62 years old. And here's what, I got to read this to you, because here's what I I call him from time to time. How you doing? What can I do for you? And here's what he said to me when I just said, Michael, how how are you doing this? Now, husbands, listen up. He said, when I said for better or for worse, this is what I signed up for. All husbands sign up for this. Think I could learn any better wisdom on how to be a husband? Absolutely not. And then finally, God's blessed me with a... uh, a very much older brother-in-law for the last 29 years. Um, he's imparted wisdom on just how to be a man. He's just a good old country boy, loves Jesus. He's a deacon in his church, but he's taught me how to uh, to love my wife and my kids and, and how to grow up and how to be a man. Because dads, we got to teach that to our kids, and I didn't have that. you got to teach godly wisdom to your kids. That's what Proverbs 3 is dealing with. And then he, he actually deals with this, and this is great. I was just talking to Tommy, who's going to preach in a couple weeks, and he, he teaches the joy, listen to me, the joy of following God's commands. All right, so our kids need to understand that this isn't just something we learn at Bible school or Sunday school. There's joy in following God's word. And so, so in Proverbs chapter 3, the, uh, the writer is getting right into that, the joy of following God's word. And uh, Let me just, just read this because this is what happens in our society and maybe this is what's happening in our society today. There's a... Uh, commentator who said this, John MacArthur, whatever may be happening in the society around us, we should be ensuring a righteous generation in the church. We have a responsibility as fathers to train our sons particularly. 
Sons who tend to be, for the most part, more rebellious than daughters. I don't know if you guys can relate to that. Because they are the ones given by God leadership roles and capacities. If we will faithfully teach our sons, then they will, by example and by precept, lead the women as well. Where you have a plurality in the nation of godly fathers, they will impact the mothers. Pastor Scott preached on this last week in James. And where you have godly sons, they will impact the daughters of the next generation. Because that's what we're worried about, church. We're worried about the next generation. And so the high priority of Scripture then is that fathers teach their sons and thus raise up a generation of godly leaders. So we can pray for all them out there, but it starts where? Right here. It starts even, even, even closer than right here. It starts in the doors of my home. In 181, somewhere path in the doors, uh, doors of your home. All right, so here's what I did. Uh, five steps to a joyful life, and we're only going to get to three, okay? So, so here's what I did. Um, I looked up the definition of joy, and you're going to see it here in just a second, probably on the screen. Here's the definition of joy from Merriam-Webster. Much smarter than all of us. The emotion evoked by well-being, success, and good fortune. See, joy is not happiness. We've got to make sure in the church we understand joy is not happiness, right? You can have joy without, have happy, without having happiness, and you can have happiness without having true joy. Um, John Piper says this about joy. Joy is a feeling, an emotion in the soul, produced by the Holy Spirit. So someone who doesn't follow Jesus, doesn't understand his commands doesn't understand the truth of God's word. You know what? They can't truly have joy. If you're here today and you're looking for joy, maybe it's because you don't have a relationship with Christ. Because if you have a relationship with Christ, there's true joy. Now, am I always happy? No. Do things happen that, that are, are bad in my life? Sure. Do I have friends that are going through detrimental situations? Absolutely. But I have joy. And we just sang about it. Where's our joy in? It's not in my circumstance. It's in Christ. Christ is enough for me, right? Christ is enough for me. Everything I need is in you. In you, Christ. Is Christ enough? Listen, is Christ enough for you? This isn't even in the sermon here, but that's okay. Is Christ enough? We've been, we've been talking as pastors over the last couple weeks and months and just wondering as a church, is Christ enough for you? Are you really seeking after the Lord? We're going to see this in verse 5 and 6. Joy is not a feeling. I'm sorry. Joy is a feeling, emotion of the soul, produced by the Holy Spirit. Joy in my soul, overflowing towards God, that comes from the Holy Spirit. So, so joy. There's joy in following God's commands. Now, some of us, uh, well, hopefully many of us have jobs and following the commands of our, our boss sometimes doesn't seem joyful. But as a Christian, following God's word is joyful. I mean, it really truly is joyful and we're going to kind of see that. So in Proverbs chapter three, the writer gives us five steps to true joy. And we're going to hit three of them this morning. But here's the key. We've got to pass these on to our children. We aren't supposed to be concerned more about our kids' happiness than our kids' holiness. And I just got to say that again. Somebody said this to me 20 years ago, and I didn't really get it. He was a minister. He, just, he said, God's more concerned about our holiness than our happiness. And when we pass that on to our kids, all our kids want to be happy. Am I right? But just give them something. Just give them a gift. 
How long will it be before they're kind of bored with that? You know what I'm saying? What's next? How do I be happy? What are we going to have for lunch? Where are we going? How long are we going to take to get there? You ever just want to tell your kids, just get in the car. When I eat, you'll eat. When I stop, you'll stop. Don't ask any more questions. I mean, I mean, I just, maybe it's, maybe it's just me. Here's a quick example. Now, I'm not using this as an example from me because I'm a minister. But there's a minister in the scripture, Eli. He's a priest. If y'all remember, Eli is the priest. And who is the, who is the young man that grows up in the temple with Eli? Anybody remember? Hey, there we go. Samuel. All right, so he's kind of mentoring Samuel how to be a minister. And, and that's when God calls Samuel and the whole deal. Do you know that Eli had two sons? And he didn't do a good job raising his sons in the ministry. Eli's sons' name were Hophni and Phinehas. Phinehas. Maybe it's where Phinehas and Ferb, but I don't know. But Hophni and Phinehas. And here's what happened. Hophni and Phinehas, they actually grew up to be priests in the church. Did y'all know this? You've got to read your Bible. And they grew up to be priests in the church, and they were doing evil things as priests. Like they were stealing the meat that they weren't supposed to be stealing. And can I tell you what happened? God allowed them to be killed. Eli didn't do a good job, and he was a minister. He wasn't imparting godly wisdom to his children. We must learn this joy and pass it on to our kids. So what are the five steps? Well, we'll we'll start with three. If we truly want to have a joyful life, look at your scripture. Here we go. Number one is keep God's commands. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let your heart keep my commands. What commands is he talking about? The Ten Commandments? Sure. There's a a big command in Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5 called the Shema. Shema, Shema, something like that. Here's what it says. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5. You may see it on the screen. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And then Jesus added in the New Testament a little bit later. And love your neighbor as yourself. So in one, maybe two commands, Jesus sums up all of the 621 laws. It wasn't just 10 commandments. It was all these laws they had to follow. Here it is, summed up, love the Lord your God. Here's the result. Verse 2, you'll have what? Length of days and what else? Oh, look at your scripture. Length of days and years of life and peace. They will add to you, all right? So we just kind of like small group with just a bunch of people, all right? You've got to pay attention, read your scripture, and we're going to kind of go that way. So if I follow God's commands, I will have a longer life, and I'll experience peace. How many people in this world are searching for peace? How many people in this world are searching for a longer life? I used to be a CFO of a company, and, and, and we did, uh, uh, like, good health stuff, like eating vitamins and, and doing good things for your body and... Uh, HCG and all, all this stuff. It was kind of like health medicine. It was um, holistic medicine. I just kind of handled the money. But, but one of the things that, that we always saw is people like to do, and I'm not going to ask anybody in this room, but they always wanted to look younger. Okay. And so there would be certain like um, makeup products they could do, or they could even go so far as to like pay. This is really freaks me out to have injections with a needle into their face so that their face looked like less wrinkled or younger or something like that. And if you do that, God bless you. You look beautiful. Okay. I don't know who you are. 
Okay? But it just blew me away that people would spend money that they earn to have a needle stuck in their face. I'm like, <laughs> they're like, just stay in your office, keep the books, don't come out. I mean, I can't even look at a needle being stuck in my finger. But, but anyway, everybody wanted to be younger. They want to have a longer life. You know how you have a longer life? Look what he says right here. Keep God's commands. Length of days. How many people in this world are looking for peace? I mean, really, you think of your buddies at work or your family or people that are really screwed up and they're really, if you asked them and you got down to it, what are you looking for? I'm looking for peace. So if I follow God's commands, I'll have a longer life and experience peace. The key to the Christian life is this. Once I'm a follower of Christ, okay, stay, that, stay with me here. If you're here and you're not a follower of Christ, this doesn't apply to you. If you're here and you're not a follower of Christ, you need to become a follower of Christ. Listen, this is not an easy life, but there is joy that you've never had before. There is joy in knowing that my sin is forgiven. Amen. There's joy in knowing that, that when I die, this is not my home. I've got a stepbrother who's lost, but he's an atheist. So he believes that this is it. I'm like, dude, if this is it, you better start doing way more fun stuff. Your life's terrible. And it's going to end right here. And you think this is it? Can I just tell you, if this is it, I'm a little disappointed. Yeah, I mean, I've got a wonderful wife and great kids, but at the end of the day, if this is all I've got, I'm disappointed. So if you're not a follower of Christ, can I tell you what? The second that I surrendered myself to follow Christ, there was a joy he gave me that I don't have to worry about what this world has for me. There's joy in following God. Verse number, uh, three and four, point number two. Keep kindness and truth close to you. Now, this is interesting. Let's look at verse 3. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so that you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Now, I love this. I had so much fun studying for this. One, there's a big word that I learned. It was kind of cool. All right, so the Jewish people, they used to have these things. Some of you might know this. Called phylacteries. All right, it starts with a P-H. Never, never knew this word before. Some of you might have known it. But phylacteries were like these little um, headbands that you would wear, and they had this little tube on them. And on the tube, they had scripture inside the tube. Are you with me? Everybody just kind of nod your head. There was scripture written inside the tube, and then they had these bracelets that they would wear, and they would have scripture inside the bracelets. So a Jewish person had no problem memorizing scripture. I mean, they like wrote it in their little phylacteries. Everybody say it with me. Phylacteries. See, you got a new word. You can sound smart at lunch or dinner, whatever. Okay, so they had God's word here and here. But notice what the writer tells his son. He says, no, son, do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them on your neck. Write them on the tablet of your, what is it? Your heart. All right, so this, they knew it in their minds. I'm sorry, they knew it in their heads, not their minds, but not in their heart. So the writer says, don't just wear the scripture on your heads and wrists. Bind them around your neck, which is a little bit closer to your heart. And then let's go even further. Let's write them on the tablet of your heart. So keep kindness bound around your neck. So I looked up kindness in the scripture, and this is a fruit of the spirit. If you turn over to Galatians chapter 5, you can read all about it. Sometimes... uh, I want not to be kind. You get what I'm, sometimes I want not to be kind. Anybody with me? There's times because of what somebody did to me. Kindness looks past what somebody did to me. So 
I was doing some ministry on Wednesday, just to let y'all know I'm a minister. And so I was doing ministry and I was going to the hospital to visit somebody in the church. Now, this is a part of the sermon where I, I always do this in some part of my sermon, where I want you to understand that I'm just somebody trying to serve God along with you, okay? God's called me to this, but I am not perfect. I'm just trying to make you feel better about yourself and what I'm getting ready to share, okay? So anyway, so I'm, I'm driving to go visit somebody in the hospital. It's a child in the hospital, and um, so she went to go see her. And, but on my way, I was stopping to get a gift card, okay? Because you're going to help their family a little bit, gift card. And so I try and pay the gift card with a debit card. And Rite Aid, I'm just going to say who it is. I hope you don't work there. Um, but if you do, I love you, but just your company needs a little bit of help. So here's the deal. So Rite Aid, they said, well, you can't pay for this. Y'all, have y'all done this? You can't buy a gift card with a, a, a credit card? I'm like, well, sure you can. Because my wife says I'm a little confrontational, but I'm just saying if something's right, it's right. We ought to just tell them they're here to serve us. It's customer service, right? So so you can't buy a gift card with a, a Visa card. I'm like, well, sure, sure you can. Well, no, you can't. So I'm, I'm trying to be like, I kind of forgot I was a minister or a Christian at the time. So here's what I did. I was like, well, now hold on. I get gift cards all the time using this, this credit card. I said, I get them from Bilo. Well, sir, we're not Bilo. I said, well, I get it, but I get them from Walgreens and Costco. I get them from Target, anywhere. Well, we don't do that here. I said, okay, well, I'm going to call somebody that knows about this. I wasn't a very good example for Christ. I didn't cuss or anything, but I'm just like, I wasn't a really good example for Christ. And so I got in my car. Guess what I did? Now, I'm on the way to go make a, a ministry visit. This is so terrible. So I stop and I call Rite Aid customer service and I tell them what I think. And they said, sir, we'll get back to you within 24 to 48 hours. Well, now that's great customer service, right? And then, okay, dad's in the room. Here we go. So I pull out right there, and it's over there on um, White Horse Road. Anybody been on White Horse Road? You know what I'm talking about. This is not a fun place to drive. I'm on White Horse Road, and I pull out, and I'm trying to get over into this lane right here, but I don't have very much. So I put a little bit of my car over here, and there's a car that kind of pulls up real close. And so the light turns green arrow. This car goes, and I start to go, and this guy doesn't like that I'm in front of him. So he starts laying on the horn. And I had a choice right here. And I didn't make a good choice. And so I start hollering at him in my car, not anything bad, just I'm still hollering. I lost my temper. And he can't hear me. My wife's not even here to go, honey, you realize he can't hear you. So he can't hear me. And he's just, I'm like, you stupid. Did you not realize I was right here in the car? I was making the turn. Can't you see me? And then, I mean, and then the Holy Spirit just kind of tapped me and went, remember who you are. Are you really, are you really going to get angry about You're going to lose your temper? about this you're here to serve me kindness find kindness around your neck so i'm repenting all the way to the hospital driving to the hospital lord i'm such a loser i'm so sorry please forgive me and then i go see a family who almost doesn't have enough money to pay for their daughter to be in the hospital find kindness around your neck kindness looks past what someone did to me it's, a, it's a, another key component to me having joy. The opposite of kindness, I just looked up uh, in, in something called word hippo. It's something on the internet. It's called word hippo. These are antonyms. They are opposite mean of kindness. So just I want you to ask yourself, are any of these antonyms in, in my life? Malice, animosity, 
callousness, cruelty, inhumanity, meanness, spiteness, bitterness, backbiting, hate, selfishness, wickedness, evil intentions. That's the opposite of kindness. So the dad says, son, find kindness around your neck. And secondly, he says, truth. Truth is what? What, what is absolute truth? This is the question every person in our society is asking today. What is absolute truth? It could be whatever is true for you is true. That's what people will say. Much of our society is saying that. In defining absolute truth, Christians, we must not start, listen, with what we think or what we feel. We must start with Scripture alone. Period. What does the Scripture say? Well, but that's not relevant today. Guys, this is never going to be relevant to a lost and dying world. This is the truth. This is the absolute truth. And either you love it and you believe it or you don't. You don't. Well, I, I believe most of it. Well, then you don't believe all of it. And here's the way I believe. If you don't believe all of it, then why do we believe any of it at all? Now, it's not going to be popular. In fact, the longer we go, church, listen, if you're a part of the true church, the longer we go, this is going to become more and more and more unpopular. And in some places, it's going to become illegal. Are you going to come to church on that Sunday? All right, let's, let's keep going. Let's just keep going. What is absolute truth? If you let anything guide you before consulting Scripture, you will get some form of worldly deception or lie. A man can say this. As long as I just look at pornography, but I'm not really sinning, the absolute truth of God's word in Matthew 5, 28 says, But I say to you, anyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. That's the absolute truth. A woman can have anger against her family member. God says, the absolute truth, if you have anger, reka, in your heart, it's the same as committing murder. See, the absolute truth cuts to the heart of the matter. And then he says, write them on the tablet of your heart. I like this. And, and Maddie, we're probably going to start wrapping this up here in just a second. So just to let you know, it's, it's kind of like a tattoo. I had so much fun with this one studying. Tattoos, just by the way, don't go away. All tattoos have meaning. And some of them are very special meaning. So I just did this little, this little uh, activity. I'll call it activity. Remember, he's saying, write this on the tablet of your heart. So stay with me. So my daughter, she's 19 years old. She's serving Jesus in Boston right now. She has a tattoo. She came to me right after she turned 18. She says, Dad, I want to get a tattoo. I don't know if you're a dad. You've had this conversation before. So it was kind of a fun conversation. Um, I don't particularly like them, but as a dad, I try to pick my battles. So I shared my view on tattoos and how they never come off. And oftentimes something we think is cool at the time will one day not be cool anymore. And our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I tried to throw all the like spiritual stuff in there. So I just said, uh, okay, babe, what do you want a tattoo of? And uh, you're going to see a picture on the screen. I think it's up there of what her tattoo looks like. Okay. So I looked at it. I was like, what is that? I mean, if you're going to get a tattoo, at least know, at least like something I can like know what it is. I'm being really spiritual. Here's what she says. She says, dad, that's, um, that's Hebrew. That's a Hebrew word. I was like, okay, what does that mean? She said, well, it means, it means Yahweh or Jehovah. And it means I want to worship Jehovah God every day because that's his personal name. How do you want to that argument? Well, you want to worship God every day. I guess you can get the tattoo. I mean, like, really? 
I asked a, a couple of friends of mine who have tattoos. By the way, tattoos are not bad. Unless you make them bad. All right, so, so you'll see. I'm having to look it up right here. You'll see this next tattoo. It says, um, it is well. All right, so this is a, a student friend of mine. And I said, okay, um, tell me why you have this tattoo. Here's what she said. When I go through times of trial, I can stand firm on the truth of God and that he's in control of all. Whatever comes my way, it is well because of everything Christ has done for me on the cross. Pretty good tattoo. Now, I'm not advocating one way or the other. Tattoo it on your heart. They tattooed it on their, on their skin so they can see it. But he even says, go further. Tattoo it on your heart. There's one more tattoo that I just want to show you. I think this is kind of funny. All right, so this is, this is a great tattoo. This is a tattoo of a cross right on the third, uh, fourth finger of this, this guy's left hand. And so this is, this is Pastor Kenny's tattoo, all right? So uh, I asked him last night, I said, send me a picture of your tattoo. He said, I'm starting to get worried. So here's what this tattoo means. It means I'm bound to my wife forever. Debbie, how many years have you been married? 40 this August. That's awesome. This also means don't forget your, your wedding ring. And if you lose it, just get it tattooed on your finger. And then you'll just never have to worry about losing your wedding ring again. Tattoo it on our hearts. Take God's word, church. Tattoo it on your heart. Because the Bible says, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Here's the result. Everybody look at it. You will find favor and a good repute or good reputation with God and with man. See, we want the results without obeying, for the, obeying the commands. We want the results without obeying God's truth. Let me ask you this question. Will you ask yourself, every person here, ask yourself this, and then we're about, we're about done. Am I experiencing God's favor right now? Do I feel like God's really leading me and guiding me? Or do I kind of feel like maybe there's a block on the ceiling when I pray? Am I obeying God's truth? If not, here's the invitation for you. Bind kindness around your neck and return to the absolute truth of Scripture. Teenagers, I tell them this all the time. But adults, can I tell you this? You return to the truth of this, and there will be joy in your life. Here's what I'm going to do. I want us to, to bow our heads and... and um, Told you I wasn't going to get through all five, and I didn't. God's word is God's word is is sharp, and the Bible says it's quick, sharper than a two-edged sword. And so, as we've just hear, as we've just heard, the things that God's commands will do for us: length of days, years of life, peace, kindness, and truth will cause us to. Find favor and good repute with God and men. We can be in a right relationship with God again or for the first time. Maybe this morning you're in a, a place in your life where you don't, have, you don't have joy. There's not joy in following God's direction. Can I tell you, you can have it this morning. But there's a command. You've got to keep His commands. We've got to make Him the 
the key Lord of our life. And, and if you've followed God, but maybe you've strayed a little bit, I don't really believe a whole lot in rededication, but I think maybe you just need to come to God all fully, just all out, all in, whatever you want to call it. And there's going to be a result of joy, not happiness, not goodness, but a sense and emotion of God's in control. And, and this is not all there is. So maybe you're here this morning and, and you need to, to return to that joy. I want to ask you here in just a minute, we're going to have an invitation and, and we're going to do it a little bit differently. Um, Pastor Scott is going to be up here at the front, maybe Pastor Kenny, but we're going to keep our heads bowed and eyes closed in just a minute. If you want to be a part of our church or, or maybe you want to accept Christ, you can come and talk to these guys or our counselors that are going to be here. But I just want to challenge you. This is a prayer invitation. This is an invitation for every single person here to actually pray directly to the creator of the universe and say, God, I've lost my joy. Or God, I'm not following your commands and I want to return to you. Maybe you want to come up here at the altar and just pray. Or sit where you are. Or maybe even kneel where you are. Guys, can we just forget about everybody around us today and let's just get real with God. If we want to see revival at Buck Creek Baptist Church, you know where it's going to start? It's going to start right here. It's going to start with me. I've prayed this week, God, would you just start with me? God, I've just, I've just sensed that may, maybe that people aren't hearing from God as much right now. And it's not because it's not being taught from God's pulpit every Sunday morning. It's not because we don't look at it in small group. It's because we're not following God's commands. Can I just be honest? We're personally not doing that. So this morning, maybe you want to return to God. Maybe you want to repent, turn, turn from your sin. I just want to give you an opportunity this morning to do that. So let's just all stand. I'm going to pray. And then as, as Tammy is singing, you guys can just keep your heads bowed. And if you want to come and be a part of our church or, or accept Christ, you can do that. But I want to invite everybody to be a part of this prayer time. Can I pray, Heavenly Father, we just ask that your spirit, as we've taught your word, God, we pray that your spirit would just would do its work. And those you're calling right now, I believe you're calling people right now, those you're calling would be obedient and come to you. God, there would be repentance in this place this morning. God, I know I've had to repent this week some as I've just been studying and preaching to myself. God, I just pray there'll be repentance in this place. I pray there would be a return to your commands in our our inner lives in this place. And God, I just pray, God, that as we return to you, God, the joy would be returned to us. So Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Now with our heads.